24th day of Tevez, we are marking the 200th yard site of the Alter Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe, as we know, was a Neshama Chadasha, an original Neshama that has never before been on this world. And the Alter Rebbe was an original, a pioneer. He pioneered the Chabad. Lubavitch movement, which was a revolution within a revolution of the Hasidic movement, the Siddur. But today, let's focus on the Tanya, one of the most original books ever written. And every chapter, you walk away with every chapter, is revolutionary. It blows your mind away. It completely changes how you look at things and how you understand. And today, let's just take a few points of the Tanya, starting from the beginning. And let's try to appreciate what the Alter Rebbe is telling us. And which will explain why today, hundreds of thousands of Jews, not a day goes by that they don't study Tanya. The Rebbe published over 6,000 Tanyas literally in every corner of the world. And Tanya is studied. Today there are over 5,000 Chabad houses. Every Chabad house is a Tanya house. Is a, plus the tens of thousands of classes in Tanya, people's homes and businesses. And today you have Tanya on the web. We have our lessons in Tanya.com, which is listened to in over 90 countries and studied by tens of thousands of people. Because once you discover Tanya, you become hooked on Tanya. And let's try to explore today a few points from the Tanya, which will just give us a taste of what the Tanya is. Let's start with the introduction. A very powerful introduction. The Alter Rebbe basically addresses the Hasidim. The Hasidim were actually not happy with the publication of the Tanya. Because they preferred a direct face-to-face -face communication between the Rebbe and the Chassid. After all, this was the whole revolution of Hasidus, of the Baal Shem Tev, that personal touch, not just dry knowledge, mechanical knowledge, but that personal inspiration that touches your neshama, which can only come through a personal transmission when the teacher and the Rebbe is looking, looking at his Chassid and is able to communicate and and touches Neshama. And here the Alter Rebbe comes along and he writes a Tanya, a book that articulates, for the very first time, articulates the whole Hasidic philosophy and the philosophy and the revolution of the Baal Shem Tev, the founder of the Hasidic movement. So the first half of the introduction, the Alter Rebbe takes the side of the Hasidim and he explains how they're right. Every book has a limitation including the best book ever written, the Torah, written by the greatest author, Hashem himself. And yet we find that there are different things in the Torah that speak to different people. Even in Allah we find there's Shammai, there's the path of Shammai, Beis Shammai, there's the path of Beis Hillel. Beis Shammai has one approach. Beis Hillel has, a, has another approach. So even within Torah itself, there are different approaches that talk to different, different neshamas, different Jews. Those neshamas that are connected to Beis Hillel, the chesed, respond to Beis Hillel. 
those neshamas that come from from Gevura respond to Beishamai. How much more so when we deal with the internal, with inspiration, with the internal, everyone is so different, every one of us is so different. So how could you write one book that speaks to everyone? Which is what the Tanya claims to be. Alter Rebbe is writing a Sefer for each and every Jew. As a matter of fact, he named the Sefer, Sefer Shalbenanim. This is not written for the elite. It's not written for the perfect person, for the one in a thousand. It's written for each and every Jew. When he founded the Chabad movement, Alter Rebbe says he's not addressing a segment of the Jewish people. This is meant for every Jew. So how is it possible to write a Sefer that talks to every Jew? In the second half of the introduction, Alter Rebbe responds. And he explains that the Tanya comes to substitute something that never existed before in Jewish history, never happened before in Jewish history, which was an, an, an innovation of the Alter Rebbe, of the Chabad movement, where every Chassid, the average Jew, would enter into the Alter Rebbe's chamber for a private audience where the Alter Rebbe would psychoanalyze the chassid and give him a path for life. This never happened before. He went into a Rebbe to receive a bracha, to give a kvittel. But for the average Jew, the simple Jew to go in and for the Rebbe to psycho, spiritually psychoanalyze him, a yechidus, and to get into the depth of his soul and to give him a path for life, this never existed before. How is it possible for one Jew, the Alter Rebbe, to, to encounter each and every one of his chassidim in a very intimate way, in a very personal way? And this gets to the crux of the Chabad philosophy and the whole essence of the Tanya, which is, the Tanya is the world's first self-help the Alter Rebbe, like the ultimate teacher, doesn't give the answers. The Alter Rebbe is giving us the tools to answer our own questions. Because he says, you have a Rebbe inside of you. You have a piece of the divine essence inside of you. Every single Jew. So this whole authority model that we are going to rely on the authorities, that we are too simple Let's not confuse the simple minds. Let's rely on the elite. Just do as you're told. Keep it simple. Alter Rebbe says no. Every Jew has an infinite, inexhaustible reservoir of wealth, of richness that's located at the very core and essence and the center of our being. We each have a piece of Hashem, which is infinite. And therefore, the only way to approach this core and essence, our core and essence, is with a great humility with a lot of bitl, which is a key word in Hasidus, especially in Chabad Hasidus. Bitl, self-nullification, egolessness. Get out of the way. And allow your neshama, allow your neshama to emerge. Your neshama has a language of its own. Your neshama has a life of its own. Even if you don't feel it, you don't sense it, it's there. 
and just allow your neshama to speak. So when a chassid when entered into Yechidah, Alter Rebbe said, I am not the wise one who knows everything and I have all the answers to all the questions. No. You have the answer to your own question. Because if he didn't have the answer, you would never have the question in the first place. Because you have a piece of Hashem inside of you, you have the perfect answer. All I'm going to do is I'm going to help you encounter yourself perhaps for the first time in your life. Yechidah is an encounter. But encounter your real self, not the superficial persona, the surface self that you think you are, but your true self. And Dr. Rebbe says, I'm going to give you the tools how to discover, to know that you have an, a core, an inner self, and to give you the tools to listen and to access at any time, to listen to your nisham. And once you learn how to listen to your nisham, then you become self-sufficient. Then you have a foundation to rest on. You can build a building, a beautiful building, can build your Yiddishkeit. Then you have a personal, you develop a personal relationship with Hashem. The whole Tanya is based on the Pasuk, in the singular. Every single Yid has to develop a personal relationship with Hashem, with godliness. Yes, we may not be born, we are not tuned in to the channel of godliness. We are more tuned in to the channel of materialism. So we have to learn how to adjust the dial. But we all have that capacity, we all have that ability. We all have that inner richness, that inner potential. And Al-Tarebbe sacrificed his life to help each and every Jew develop that personal relationship and to develop that, to, to bring out all that inner richness. The Alter Rebbe articulated the revolution of the Baal Shem Tev, who respected the simple Jew. Until the Baal Shem Tev came along, who even looked at the simple Jew? Judaism was very hierarchical. Everyone knew their place. The genius was on top. And the simple Jew had to know his place. He wasn't seen, he wasn't heard. Comes along the Bashemtif and showed us what infinite depth, what infinite greatness there is, lies in each and every Jew. And Al Tarebbe dedicated his life to articulate this. He was the first one to write a book, a Sefer Shalbanan. His hero is the simple person, not the tzaddik, the perfect, the superior one, the elite the simplest person. And he showed what infinite richness and infinite depth and infinite capacity each and every one of us has. And the only one who can help ourselves is we ourselves. The Rebbe can help us help ourselves. And that, that, that was the role of the Alter Rebbe. And he says, the Tanya is a substitute for Yechidus. Something unique that never existed before in Jewish history. And the Tanya is a unique Sefer, a unique holy Sefer, Sefer Tanya Kadisha. Nothing like it was ever written. It's a Sefer that talks to each and every Jew. It's a Sefer that unlocks the treasure that lies within each and every Jew. And how ironic. Our experience as Shluchim, Chabad House, is all over the world. 
this, the Tanya is the most modern language. This is the only thing that a Yid understands. Everything else he doesn't relate to, he can't connect with. This is like a depth charge. It goes straight to his Nishama. When you teach him the deepest parts of Torah, the deepest parts of Yiddishkeit, the rawest, the core, the essence, this is what awakens them. This is what grabs their attention. This is what stirs their neshama. This is what moves them. They hear something they've never heard before, but it resonates, it rings true. It touches them in such a deep place. They've never heard anything like it before in their lives. Not in the Hebrew school, nowhere. And this is what touches them, and this begins their journey. And this is what reconnects them. And this is what helps them return to a place they've never really left. Because deep down, that connection is, remains. So this is just, just the introduction. This gives you a taste of the Tanya. Now let's go to chapter 1. Chapter 1, the first half of the chapter, Pedic Aleph. Dalton Ebed explains what is the definition of a tzaddik, what is the definition of a benini, what is the definition of a rasha, and he proves that the conventional understanding, ah, a tzaddik ayid, my rabbi, my rasha shiva, a tzaddik ayid, majority mitzvahs, most of his days occupied with learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, a tzaddik. A benini is so-so, average, half-half, 50-50, and a rasha is someone who's mostly mostly the opposite, minority mitzvahs. The Altarebbe proves that that can't be so. The Gemara says there are 18,000 tzaddikim throughout all the generations. According to this definition, there are 18,000 tzaddikim today. Maybe half of them are right here in New York. It's a much deeper definition. The true meaning of a tzaddik, Altarebbe says, and he quotes the Gemara, a tzaddik like David Amela says, a tzaddik has no yetzahar. Has no yetzahar. A benini is someone who's perfect. Doesn't do a single aveda. He's 100% perfect. As the famous expression of Hillel Paracher. Rav Hillel Paracher was, when he was a, a teenager, and he looked at the Tanya. Before he studied the Tanya, he knew the entire shas by heart. That wasn't unusual in those day and age for even a 13, 14-year-old to be Baki Bashas. But he also knew the Kabbalah. And him and his friend would study Torah and Talos and Tefillin all week. And they thought that Hashem is renovating the Gan Eden for them. And he opened the Tanya and he said the classical words, Halavai Benani, I wish I were a Benani. Our Rabbanim and Rashi Shivas that we think are on top of the world, Halavai Benani. A Russia is someone who does one single Aveda, is already a Russia. He's 99.9%, everything is right. But he wastes a minute of learning. That's already in the category of a rasha. The true definition of the word tzaddik, the word benini, the word rasha. A benini is one who's, it's not even possible for him to chas v'shalem, go against the code of Jewish law, shulchan aruch. Even a mitzvah with rabbanam. And yet all he is is a benini. A tzaddik is a whole different category. And that's why there are only one or two in every generation. The Baal Shem Tev, the Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe. It's a different category. A different type of a person. Almost like a spiritual superman. Now the question is, what's the Alter Rebbe telling us? This is a book of Benin. The Alter Rebbe is talking dictionary here. What's the definition of a tzaddik? What's the definition of a Benin? What's the definition of a Rasha? 
the answer is the Alta Rebbe just shifted and changed and reoriented our whole, the whole meaning of Avedas Hashem. Explaining, articulating the revolution of the Baal Shem Tev. Up until the Alter Rebbe, up until the Baal Shem Tev, before Hasidus, what's Avedas Hashem? Avedas Hashem means you do mitzvahs, you study Torah, you daven with a minion, you follow halacha. And then you're a tzaddik. You've reached the ultimate. There's nothing greater. Comes along the Alter Rebbe and says, that goes without saying. Without that, you're not even on first base. Without that, you're a Russia. Torah, mitzvahs. That's the ABC, that's the olive base. That's not Avedas Hashem. Avedas Hashem is something very subtle, something very profound. Avedas Hashem means that tzaddik experiences, understands with every fiber of his being and every bone in his body, understands the emes that ain oid muvade. That there's nothing but Hashem. When we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, it doesn't mean that there's only one Hashem and not two Hashems. It doesn't mean Hashem Echad Hashem is in charge and control. There's only one Hashem is the only one who's in charge and runs this world. That's elementary. That's basic. For that, you don't have to cover your eyes and say with such concentration Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hasidus explains, based on the Shalah Kaddish, what Hashem Echad ultimately means. Hashem Echad is only one existence. Nothing else exists. All there is is Hashem. Ein oid, milvade, there is nothing but Hashem. Like we say every morning in davening. Atuhu ad Hashem was alone before He created the world. Atuhu Hashem remains alone even after He created the world. As it says in the Navi, Ani Hashem Leishanisi. Hashem says, I haven't changed. I was alone before. I'm alone after, during creation, after creation, because all there is is Hashem. From Hashem's point of view, all that exists is Hashem. Nothing else really exists. As Alter Rebbe explains at great length in the second part of the Tanya, and later on in the first part of the Tanya in chapter 20, 21, and 22. Which you can go to lessonsintanya.com and learn those chapters. So this is the life of a tzaddik. The inner life of a tzaddik. It's not enough to do Jewish. It's being Jewish. Your whole being is godly. It's not only that I'm doing Jewish and I'm doing godly things. My whole being is godly. The tzaddik lives and breathes the reality that there is no other reality but Hashem. That's why he has no Yetzirah. Because there is nothing else but Hashem. The only thing that excites the tzaddik, the only thing that the tzaddik responds to, that the tzaddik is inspired by, that moves and touches the tzaddik. The only reality for the tzaddik is godliness. Getlachkeit, elikus, Torah, mitzvahs, avis Yisrael. There is nothing else. So the Alter Rebbe is not talking dictionary. The Alter Rebbe shifted, Hasidus shifted the whole emphasis of Avedas Hashem. What's the focus of a Yid? We have to aspire to be like the tzaddik. We can be a tzaddik, not within our choice, but that's what we have to aspire to. And at least during davening, at least a few moments a day, on Shabbos, on Yantif, we can taste, we can experience something of the inner life of the tzaddik. At least for a few moments, when during davening, when we daven deeply and intensely, then we're not even tempted to do something wrong. Not only we don't do something wrong, 
We're not even tempted to do something wrong because during davening we can feel, we can consciously connect and we can sense and connect and feel and experience getlakite, experience godliness. This is the emphasis of the, this shifted the whole emphasis of Avedas Hashem. Torah, mitzvahs, halacha, that goes without saying. Every single halacha, every word and letter in the Shulchan Aruch. Without that, you're at Asher. Without that, you're not, even, you're not even on first base. The tzaddik is a whole, has a whole different inner life. The tzaddik is an egolessness. This is something very subtle. Ego, not ego. This is something intangible. You can be very learned. You can be a great rabbi in Rosh Hashiva. But as the Gemara says in Saita, the beginning of Saita, a whole arichas, the Gemara says, Hashem says, Elsewhere it says, Hashem could live with Yidin even when they sin. Hashem is infinite, His patience is infinite. It doesn't, it doesn't distract Hashem. But find me a Gasa Ruach. The Ebershah says, Gasa Ruach. Someone who's arrogant, who's egotistical, even if he doesn't sin. He studies Torah all day and does mitzvahs all day. But if it's all about I, 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 that Eberstes says, Hashem himself, as infinite as he is, as infinite as his patience is, the Eberstes says, I can't stand this person. I can't be in the same Dal Damas as this person. Imagine. So this is something very subtle, very refined. We're not dealing here with something external. You get angry, you don't get angry, you're jealous, you're not jealous. All of these things are measurable. You're dealing with something very, very subtle, which explains why Rabbah could say he thought, I'm a Benini. Because a Benini is perfect. Rabbah knew he was perfect. He didn't even waste a moment's time of learning. But the Rabbah wasn't sure whether his inner life, whether he, his life was completely transformed subconsciously, that his whole being, his whole essence was godliness. That's why he said, I don't know if I'm a tzaddik, maybe I'm just a benini. So this becomes the aspiration of a yid. This becomes Avedis Hashem. Avedis Hashem is that our whole service of Hashem has to become a little more refined, less ego, a little more egolessness, a little more bittle, a little more thinking about Hashem instead of thinking about myself. So this is the first half of the first Pedic and Tanya, which completely revolutionizes our whole Avedas Hashem. Then comes the second half of the first Pedic. And again, when you study this, you jump out of your seat. The Alter Rebbe starts explaining and he says that every year there's two Nishamas. Now, what's the difference between the two neshamas? We have an animal soul, a natural soul, and then we have a godly soul. The animal soul, the natural soul, this is the neshama that animates us, that sustains us, that gives us life, that, that pulsates in our blood, that gives us life. And then you have the godly soul. Now, how is this different than the classical understanding? Every Jewish child, every Yiddish kid knows we have a Yetzirah Tov and we have a Yetzirah Hara. We have the wrestling match between the Yetzirah Tov and the Yetzirah Hara. 
But here the Al-Tarab is telling us something else entirely different. Yetzir Toiv means there's a part within me that's pulling me. Pulling me to do good things. Yetzir there's a part within me that's pulling me to do bad things. Comes along the Al-Tarab and says, no. It's two nefashis. You have two souls. One soul is the soul that gives you life. Your natural soul. Your nefesh hachiyunis that gives you life. That's in your blood. And that's the negative soul. That comes from klippa and sitrach. Then we have a second soul, which is a nefesh alakiz, which is a holy soul. The question is, wait a minute. I didn't do anything wrong. All the soul wants is to live. I want to live. Why are you calling me Klippa and Sitrachr? Yetzahara means I'm pulled to do something wrong. Here, I'm just living. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm living, I'm going about my life. And I want to lead a good life, a healthy life. And yet, this is called Klippa and Sitrachr. So the Alter Rebbe is telling us something so profound which changes our whole perspective on life. He says, yes. What is the most powerful drive within each and every one of us? That's the will to live. Self-preservation. Ego. To continue your existence. Everything from the amoeba on up wants to continue its existence. You look at a tree, it wants to continue its existence. For a human being, Continuing your existence means more than just what it means for the animal. It's not just to survive. Continue your existence. Having a healthy ego could have many forms. For one person it means living well, enjoying life. For another person it means accomplishing things in life, being ambitious, making a mark in this world. For another person it could even mean becoming spiritual. Gaining a share in the world to come. But it's all ego. It's all self-preservation. And this is already klippa. This is a distortion. This is a lie. This is such a subtle concept. Which explains why when the Skenim were forced by Ptolemy to translate the Torah into Greek, they, they fasted for three days. They were mourning for three days. Because how do you explain such edelic concepts, such refined concepts? You can't translate into any language because these concepts don't exist in any language. When you talk about good and evil in any language, evil means a murderer, a monster, a rapist, a mean person, a cruel person. Here we're talking about the subtlest things. We're talking about someone who's healthy, a healthy ego. He wants to live. And yet it's called klippen sitrachar. It's ra, it's bad. It's negative. What's wrong? This would be a paragon of virtue in any society in the world. And yet by Yidin it's called Klippa and Sitrach. Why? Because the Emes is, and this is what the Nefesh Holikis knows, the, ev- the Emes is at Enoid Movada. Ego? I? Self-preservation? That's not reality. Reality is, and the ultimate reality, and the only reality, and the absolute reality is, all there is is Hashem. 
What's, my, what's the motivation of the godly soul of the Nefesh Alakiz? The motivation is Getlakai. Hashem. It's not about I. Don't ask what God can do for me. Ask what I can do for Hashem. What's my mission? What does Hashem need me for? What's it all about? It's not about me. This is a marriage. This is a relationship. In a marriage, it's about, not about me. It's about my spouse. It's not about my share in the world to come. That's pure ego. That's about I. At least when a person dies, death is a kapar. Because your ego comes to an end. Here, this is the eternal ego. You can't stop thinking about yourself. Even after 120 years, it's all about I. For one moment, forget about the I. Forget about yourself. It's not about you. It's about Hashem. What can I do for Hashem? Why does Hashem need me? What's my mission in life? I'm doing Torah mitzvahs for Hashem. Not for my advancement, or for me, or for I, or for my shleimus, or for my perfection. It's for Hashem. This shifts your whole focus. The Nefesh Alakis is motivated by selflessness, by egolessness, by godliness. And this is unique to the Jewish people. We're not called the, the choosing people. We're called the chosen people. We don't have this from our own self. Hashem gave it to us. We're born to a Yiddish mother. So we are born with a Nefesh Alakis. We're born with a godly soul that has a unique motivation that doesn't exist in the universe. A mo motivation that's purely egoless and purely selfless. It's purely motivated by godliness. Versus the natural soul, the animalistic soul, the ego soul. This is motivated by I, by self, by ego. And that's what we call klipa v'sitra That's what we call ra. This is, in, in the Jewish definition, this is what we call ra. That's what it means, the neshama of a goy. That's what the Gemara means, the neshama of a goy. It doesn't have any toiv. We're talking about the ultimate meaning of toiv and ra. The most subtle definition of toiv and ra. To be motivated not by ego, even a refined ego, wholesome ego, but to be totally motivated by Hashem. This is something that, the birth, this is the birthright of each and every yid. It's not natural. It's not within human nature. It comes directly from the nefesh or the kids, the godly soul. And ultimately, this is what motivates each and every yid. Why do we do the right thing? Ultimately, because it's the right thing, because that's what Hashem wants. Ultimately, it's not because of myself or because of what meaning it has to me or what it, what it does for me. Of course, Every mitzvah, every good thing has many, many fringe benefits. And ultimately, we're elevated by it and we get a share in the world to come as a result. But that's not my, my primary motivation. My primary motivation is lishma. It's for the sake of the Ebersh. The beautiful story of the Baal Shem Tev. The Baal Shem Tev, when he tried to go to Eretz Yisrael, they stopped him, they didn't allow him. A whole, whole long story. And um, he found himself in Istanbul the day before Pesach. He was robbed. And a very wealthy year took his family in and made a seder for him. And the Baal Shem Tev came home from Shul. He thought he's coming home to nothing. And this was all organized by his daughter, Adl. 
and he comes into his hotel room and it's a lichtik, it's, it's all illuminated and the table is richly set and Baal Shem Tov is so, so thrilled and excited and um, when they sat down to the meal the Baal Shem Tov turns to the, ho- to the Yid this rich Yid who provided for everything he says, what can I bench you? what can I do for you? you saved us you gave us such a beautiful, beautiful Seder we had nothing and the Yid says, I'll tell you Hashem bench me with everything, I'm very wealthy, but one thing, my wife and I have no children. And the Baal Shem Tov says, I promise you, that this time next year, you'll be praving a bris. At that moment, a baskel came out from Minashamayim and said, Baal Shem Tov, since you promised this Yid a child, by Teva, according to nature, this Yid cannot have a child, but Tzadik Geyser HaKadosh Baruch Makayim, a Tzadik decrees in Hashem obeys, so this Yid is going to have a child, but as a result you lost your you lost your share in the world to come the Baal Shem Tev cried out with joy and he says, Baruch Hashem now I can serve Hashem without any ulterior motive I know I have no share in the world to come I'm serving Hashem purely for the sake of serving Hashem at that moment, the Baskel came out and said, the Baal Shem Tov got his Elam Abba back. But this is the whole emphasis of Hasidus. It shifts our whole focus. Instead of focusing on the I, even the spiritual I, spirituality could be the ultimate ego. Religion could be the ultimate ego. It's about me, my share in the world to come, my perfection. Versus it's about Hashem. When you're thinking about yourself, that's nat- that comes from your natural soul. That comes from your ego soul. That's very human. And it feels very natural. But it's klippa and sitra It's a distortion. It's not the emes. The only emes is when we're pu- motivated purely, lishma, for the Ebersh to say, this is the motivation of a godly soul. And then we move on to chapter 2 of the Tanya. which is the most revolutionary <laughs> statement. Al-Tarebbe writes that every single Yid who is born to a Jewish mother who converts halachically has a chilek elakam imal mamash is born with a Yiddish neshama with literally a piece of Hashem. In other words, a yid, and he uses the marshal of a parent-child relationship. He says, children (coughs) (coughs) children, you can't divorce your parents because your relationship is core. It's unconditional. It's not acquired. It's not like anything else. Anything that's acquired could be changed. Your beliefs, your convictions. A liberal that's mug turns into a conservative. A conservative that's caught turns into a liberal. Yechlin Kehengadl became a tzeduki. After 80 years, things happen in your life and you can change your beliefs, even very strongly held convictions, something shakes you up in life. But a yid will always remain a yid. 
A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. No one says it about anything else. An atheistic Muslim is an oxymoron, but a Yid will always remain a Yid. Api Allah. Because it's not required. Yiddishkeit is deeper than religion. Religion is acquired. It's not the dress that makes us Jewish. It's not the, the studying in the yeshiva that makes us Jewish. We're as Jewish as we'll ever be the moment we're born. And there are no human fingerprints on it. We were given a piece of the divine essence. All we can do is learn to appreciate it, to tap into it, to express it. In other words, it's not, we don't study Torah and do mitzvahs in order, in order to connect with Hashem. It's just the opposite. It's because every year is already connected with Hashem. We study Torah and do mitzvahs in order to strengthen that connection. This revolutionizes how we look at ourselves and how we look at another Yid. Even a Yid who doesn't look a yid, like a Yid. It doesn't act like a Yid. And on a conscious level, you don't see anything visible. You don't see anything Jewish. And yet that Yid is 100% Jewish. And if you look down at another Yid, ultimately, it means you completely miss the point. You don't understand what makes you Jewish. And that's why Yidna called Maminim Bnei Mamin. We inherit this Amunah. This emunah is something that we're born with. It's almost like a sixth sense. A yid is born with a sixth sense. It's not we're a nation of philosophers, a nation of mystics, a nation of scholars. It's much deeper than that. Just like a child, a little child. A little child, before he can even think, articulate, express himself, knows with every fiber of his being and every bone in his body that these two people his mother and father are the most special people in the world. He can't explain it, doesn't understand it, but yet he knows it with certainty, with such clarity. And even when this child grows up and becomes a professor and writes volumes and volumes on the meaning of parent-child relationship and wins the Nobel Prize for his discoveries, all of his understanding and all of his explanations don't add one iota to the depth and clarity of the way he feels towards his own parents. Because the feeling that he has towards his own parents comes from a much deeper place than the ego-rational mind. It comes from your kishkes, from your core, from your essence. You are your parents. And therefore you know your parents with every fiber. You don't need explanations. And all the explanations in the world don't add anything to the clarity of that feeling. And the same is with, the, with a yid. A yid knows Hashem with every fiber of his being and every bone in his body. We're born with it. And all the philosophical explanations and rational arguments don't add one iota to the clarity and the depth of that feeling. This is chelik elakami ma'umamash. This is how you look at a yid. When you look at a yid in that way, you look at a yid with such derecheres, with such respect. How could you look down at a yid? Kirov rechaikim. I am close and he's far. Every yid is close. Every year is close. He's just as close as I am. We don't have the Bechir, we don't have the freedom of choice. Just like we don't have the Bechir of choice to affect Hashem, we don't have the choice to affect that pintle yid, that place deep down within us that remains pure and whole. Because it's literally a chelikal kamimal manish. When you understand this, it changes, revolutionizes your whole approach to a yid. 
and you realize that a Yid is holy, his very being is holy. It's not just that we do Jewish. Our whole being is Jewish. Our whole core, whole essence is Jewish. Our whole essence is godly and holy. And the Rebbe explains in Peri Beis and Tanya, this is what a Rebbe is. The Baal Shem Tev, the revolution of the Baal Shem Tev is that Baal Shem Tev introduced the whole relationship between a Rebbe and a Chassid. The whole connection of a Rebbe and a Chassid. Because a Rebbe embodies this simple truth. That a Yid by his very being is getlach, is godly and holy. And therefore, when you can touch the pintle Yid, you can ignite the Neshama. So a Yid, by studying Torah, connects with Hashem, ignites his Neshama. A Yid ignites his Neshama by doing a mitzvah, because a mitzvah is something godly. A mitzvah comes from the word connection. Asher Kiddushanu b'mitzvah Kiddushanu, the Alter Rebbe says, comes from the Lashon Kiddushin. It's a marriage, it's a connection. When you study Torah, you become unified with Hashem, intimate with Hashem. Your mind becomes completely unified with the mind of Hashem, which is infinite. And when you connect it to a Rebbe, the Rebbe has the ability to ignite your neshama and to ignite your chelik al-kami mamish and to ignite your relationship with Hashem. So a Rebbe is, as Moshe Rabbeinu says, Anoichi oimed bein Hashem vein Moshe says, I'm an intermediate between you and Hashem. But this is not an intermediate that stands in the way between Hashem and the Yid. No. God forbid. That's idolatry. That's lahavdol elof avdolus. That's avedazara. Moshe Rabbeinu is an intermediate hamachaber that connects. It's like you take two ropes and you tie them together. Moshe is that knot. But all there is are the two ropes. There's nothing else. Moshe connects every yid directly to Hashem. Moshe ignites the neshama, the pintle yid, and each and every yid, and each and every yid has a connection with Hashem. And that's why Moshe is jealous. Moshe is jealous of your relationship with Hashem. Moshe is like a shatchan. He brings the two together. He's a good marriage counselor also. He connects the two. He speaks the language of the Chassan, Hashem. He speaks the language of the Kala, the Neisrael. He brings the two together and he also keeps the relationship going. But it's your relationship and Moshe stands back in awe. Moshe is in awe. The Baal Rebbe was in awe of the Benini. The Baal Shemte was in awe of the Ish Pashat. The Pashat Ayid. The infinite depth and richness that could be found in each and every Yid. Because each and every year there's like diamonds. And just conclude, the beautiful story, there was a group of college children, uh, college kids, who came to the Rebbe and asked, what, what is a Rebbe? What is the difference between a Rebbe and Lahavdal, a psychoanalyst? The Rebbe says, you know, the difference is, is you, you look at dirt, what do you see? We see dirt. Someone digs a little deeper, what does he discover? He discovers rocks. Okay, you can turn into a quarry. He says, he showed dirt to a geologist. What does a geologist see in the dirt? 
What does he look for and what does he find in the dirt? Gold, silver, diamonds. He says, that's it happened. Psychoan psychoanalysis, Freud dug into the human psyche. What did he discover? Schmutz, a person is a chaya, a person is a beast. Okay, mazel tov. Adler dug a little deeper. So what's a person all about? Power. Okay, a person is raks, nebuch. The Rebbe digs into the same psyche, into the same human being, with all human foibles. Average person, the Benindi. And what does Alter Rebbe find? What does the Rebbe find in this dirt, in this soil? He finds soul, gold, awe of Hashem, silver, love of Hashem, diamonds, faith in Hashem. And he's able to mine and to dig. Or to use a human, uh, modern analogy, you show a piece of uranium, Show it to a physicist. What he sees is nuclear energy. A Rebbe looks into each and every yid and he sees nuclear energy. Someone once wrote, uh, a Jew living in Curaçao, an island off Venezuela, and he says, I'm a small Jew, and the Rebbe wrote back, there's no such thing as a small Jew. You're a Ben Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Abbas, Sarer, Rivka, Rachav, You have the blood of the Ovis and the Imois coursing through you. Every yid is great. When the Rebbe used to give out dollars, stand for dollars. The Rebbe was 89, would stand for hours. And they once asked him, Rebbe, please sit. You can sit. And after he would finish dollars, he would go daven by the oil of his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, also standing for hours. Said, please sit. You can hand out dollars while you're sitting. And the Rebbe responded, A ben Avram Yitzhak v'yaki. A standing before me and I should sit. The Rebbe was in awe of every Yid. Didn't matter if it was a plumber, if it was a Rosh Hashiv, it was a millionaire, a billionaire. Every Yid, the Rebbe saw the diamond, the Rebbe saw the gold and the silver. The dedication that, that Hasidim had to the Rebbe was nothing in comparison to the love and the respect and the awe and the dedication that the Rebbe has for Hasid. And this is the great gift of Hasidus. That the leader, the Rebbe, the elite is no longer isolated and the simple Yid is no longer isolated. They're all connected. We're all, we all have that and we all learn from each other. And the Rebbe dedicated his life. And this is the essence of the Chabad movement to become self-sufficient. And as someone once said about the Rebbe, that the Rebbe was not looking for followers Rebbe was looking for leaders. Chabad demands from each and every Yid to become a leader, to develop their own personal relationship with Hashem. Don't rely on the authorities. Don't rely on anyone. You have to be like Avram Avinu and Sarai Menu. You have to discover Yiddishkeit. It has to be yours. It's an ownership society. You have to help yourself. You have to own your Yiddishkeit. And when you own your Yiddishkeit, then you do it wholeheartedly. You do it joyously. You do it, you do, you do it passionately. And every nisham, every yid, that pintle yid will be ignited, will be zeicha to the ultimate torch, will be zeicha to be as Mashiach Tzidkenu, and will be reunited with the Rebbe, with all the Rebbe, and Alter Rebbe, and we'll hear the Tanya and Alter Rebbe himself. <laughs>